Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, we welcome researcher and author George Barna to the program. He's here to help us nurture our child and grandchild's heart, mind, and soul as we raise the next generation of spiritual champions. Friends, if you have a prayer need, would you share that with us? We consider it an honor to pray with you. Prayer requests come in from all over the country through the mail, on the phone, and now via a special email address, prayer at swrc.com, prayer at swrc.com. Or you can always give us a call, 1-800-652-1144. As Christians, the ultimate goal for your child or grandchild is to embody the characteristics of Christ. But how can you realistically help your children imitate the life of Jesus Christ? Let's discover the answer with today's guest, author and researcher, George Barna. Our guest for the show today is Dr. George Barna. He is the Director of Research, Cultural Research Center, Arizona Christian University. Dr. Barna is the author of a very, very important book for parents, grandparents, and for everyone who loves young people. The title of the book, Raising Spiritual Champions, Nurturing Your Child's Heart, Mind, and Soul. A frequent comment I hear from many parents is, we are losing our kids. Dr. Barna's book will go a long way with helping parents, grandparents, and everyone to raise and train young people. Thank you so much, Dr. Barna, for being on our program. Well, thanks for having me, Larry. I appreciate it. You write that for someone to fulfill their potential and God-given calling, they must have a strong start. Now, how is discipling children related to giving children a strong start in life? Well, one of the things that we know is that we're called to be disciples of Jesus. So what does that mean? You know, we need to be able to think like him so that we can live like him. Why? Because you do what you believe. And so your beliefs determine your behavior, and your behavior determines your capacity to be like Jesus, to be a disciple of the Lord. And so that means that you've really got to start very early in a person's life, before their second birthday, really, to help them develop a way of thinking, a worldview that will enable them to make decisions that will result in behaviors that will ultimately reflect the way of Christ. And so really this book, Raising Spiritual Champions, is about helping parents and other people who influence children to recognize and understand the importance of what we do with kids before they reach the age of 13. Because by that time in their life, their worldview is almost fully formed. Right. So what we do in those early years is critically important. You talk about world leaders down through the ages of history have said, give me a child until the age of seven, and they will be mine for the rest of their lives. So we must not wait to teach our kids, for example, apologetics and other very important issues. We have to start early. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, when you hear the word worldview, your eyes may begin to glaze over. (laughs) But just think of it this way. I mean, it's nothing more than your philosophy about life. It's how you think the world works, what you think your place is in it, what you believe spiritually, whether there's any kind of a power, higher power, or authority, all those kinds of things. 
And that's so vitally important because ultimately that affects every decision that you're going to make every moment of every day. So getting that worldview right is critically important when a child is young because once that worldview has been formed, it's almost like cement. Once you pour it, you've got a little while before it hardens. But once it hardens, that foundation is going to be there for a long time unless you decide to jackhammer it out. That's hard work. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of resources to get that out, to prepare the way, and then replace it with a different foundation. It's much better just to get it right the first time. In writing your book, you say that you did a lot of new research that provided you with clear and helpful insights. So what did you find regarding the worldview and spiritual perspectives of parents of children under the age of 13? I'm speaking about evangelical parents in America. Yeah, when we talk about parents who claim that Christ is their Savior, we know that only about one out of every 10 of them has a biblical worldview. The problem, the challenge there is that you can't give what you don't have. And so if you haven't really figured out how to live like Christ, you know, even though you may have made a quote-unquote profession of faith, what we find is that most of the people who would be categorized as born again, not because that's what they call themselves, but because they say, yeah, I confess my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and therefore I believe that when I die, I'm going to live with him forever. Well, that's all well and good, but if that hasn't led to a true repentance, meaning that you're really remorseful about your sin, you're changing your lifestyle as a result of that remorse, and, and that you gear everything toward knowing what the Scriptures teach and living in harmony with God's principles, well, then you're really not a changed person, and that's what the gospel is meant to do, is to transform us. Based on my research, I'm not God, I'm not the ultimate judge, but just based on how Jesus defined discipleship and our information based on those measures, I would say that most quote-unquote born-again Christians in America today are not actually disciples of Jesus. So I think a lot of us have a long way to go toward re-examining our heart, our mind, our soul to figure out, are we really that committed to being Christ-like in our life, that we're willing to surrender and sacrifice anything and everything so that I can be a follower, a real follower of Jesus, and that example that I show to my children then will have a dramatic impact on them as well. In Section 3, You write about families and churches in partnership. What can a local church do to help families disciple their kids? How can we partner? I'm a a local pastor. We have a lot of pastors listening, deacons, elders, and so forth. So tell us about this partnership between churches and families. Yeah, you know, we had the opportunity. We did seven original research projects just for this book. And one of them was looking at churches that are very effective in ministering to children based on the fact that they grow up to be genuine disciples of Jesus. And as we looked at the characteristics that were common to those ministries, some of the things we found was that, number one, they recognized that children are the most important group of all that they can be ministering to, more so than adults or anything else. Why? Because that's the formation 
time in the child's life. That's when their spirituality is being developed for the rest of their lives. Secondly, looking at the children's pastors, they have a biblical worldview. What we found across the country is that seven out of every eight children's pastors don't have a biblical worldview. And so you've got to have a church that's got the pastor who has the goods, can give the goods, can demonstrate that to the children as well as to the parents. We found that these are churches that recognize that one of the keys to their success in ministry is working alongside of parents, having constant communication with them about what are you doing to raise your child, to be a disciple, what can we do to help? Here's some resources that we have. Would you like to use those? Can we use them together? Here's how we're going to evaluate things. You should evaluate things as well in terms of the discipleship of your children. So, I mean, those things, looking at the curriculum, you know, is it a Bible-based curriculum as opposed to a fun game, uh, fun and games-based curriculum? You know, the statement of faith of the church, we found that most children's pastors didn't even know if their church had a statement of faith, much less what it was. So there was no way, if it was a good statement of faith, a, a godly biblical one, that they would be able to incorporate that into what they were doing in the ministry. So those are some of the key things they recognize that the church only has a child, on average, maybe two hours a month. So you're not going to revolutionize their life in two hours a month. The best you can do is to come alongside the parents who are going to have them for a much, much greater period of time and are struggling with the whole issue of how do I spiritually develop my child if it's even on their radar. You know, working together, the local church and the parents can have a dynamic impact. Dr. George Barna is with me on the phone, and we're discussing his latest book, Raising Spiritual Champions. This is an eminently helpful volume. I cannot think of a more important subject to address in this age of relativism and slipping moral values. Our toll-free number is 1-800-652-1144. Give us a call and ask for the book, Raising Spiritual Champions. Dr. Barner, you've got some, I, I think, really um, tremendous insights, and I love the terminology. Now, Chapter 10, you speak about fight for your children, and you say we should parent as a spiritual warrior. I love that, but I want to make sure I understand what you're writing about. Maybe explain that. Yeah, well, the whole issue here, Larry, is, is that every day, every one of us grows up and lives our lives in the midst of a spiritual war. There are two sides to this war. You know, you're either on God's side or you're on Satan's side. There's no in-between. There's no indifference in this. And so what that chapter is about and what my admonition to parents is, go back and look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians about, the fact that we do live in a spiritual war, but God has given us the spiritual armor that we need to be able to fight effectively. And in that chapter, I go through the different things that that Paul talked about in terms of what that armor is and how we can be equipped to to fight well. You know, we can't do this on our own. We don't have the wisdom. We don't have the strength. We don't have the strategy or the vision. We've got to rely upon God for that. But he wants to use us as a warrior for his cause. And so partnering with him in this way and taking to heart all the things that Paul talks about in terms of understanding these 
we have that we can use in this spiritual battle is critically important. It's not just another day at the office. This is a life-or-death reality. Amen. Well, you write about the uh, Cultural Research Center Worldview Survey that teenagers generally have, um, you know, from that survey, they have syncretism as their worldview. Dr. Barter, what kind of questions do you ask teenagers, and how can parents, for example, or Sunday school teachers assess where their kids are? What are some key questions that reveals a lot about their worldview? Well, in the book, I've got a chapter where I talk about something called the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. And that's really a great starting place if you're trying to build a worldview foundation, biblical worldview foundation for yourself or for your children or anybody else that you want to minister to. Understanding these are important because we found that if you embrace all seven of these, you've got an 83% probability of going on to develop a more complete biblical worldview. But if you reject even one, one or more, of these seven cornerstones, then it turns out you've got only a 2% probability of going on to develop a biblical worldview. So these are seven very basic biblical principles that statistically we find make a huge difference. And so when you ask what kind of things are these that we can be looking for, measuring, and most importantly, things that we can be teaching and modeling for our our, uh, young kids, even our teenagers, There are things like understanding that not only does God exist, but grasping his nature and character, the fact that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he created everything, he's still involved in everything he created, he's holy, he's loving, he's just. And when you understand that that's the kind of God who wants to relate to you every moment of every day, it changes your perspective about life. But then understand also that It's not quite that easy because, secondly, we're born into sin. And so as sinners, that sin has consequences for our lives every day. And so the third cornerstone is recognizing that there's one antidote to that sin problem that we're born into and that we continually pursue. And that antidote is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for our sins. And we have to recognize that he's giving us a way to wipe the slate clean, if we're willing to ask him to be our Savior, if we're willing to acknowledge that we're, we're sinners and we need a Savior, and if we're willing to truly repent, this is where I think most American Christians kind of lose, lose the pathway here. We talk about repentance, but we don't make a deep-seated commitment yes. to change the way that we live. So we keep sinning, and it doesn't bother us that much. Somebody who's repentant has deep remorse over the fact that we're breaking God's heart every time we sin. So recognizing all that, that's the third cornerstone. Fourth cornerstone is to understand that the Bible gives us principles to live by. God knew that we would need guidance, and so he put it in writing for us, for goodness sakes. And so the more time that we spend reading and memorizing and pursuing biblical truth, the better off will be. The, the, the fifth cornerstone is recognizing that what the Bible, therefore, is giving us is absolute moral truth. Yeah. Things that are, are not based on my or your feelings, things that are not based on our situation. These are things that are true all the time. How do we know that? Because God is the embodiment of truth. 
He's codified that for us in his word, the Bible, and you can see over the course of time, it plays out over and over and over again, God's word is always true. Amen. Sixth of these cornerstones is to recognize that through the Bible, we can also tell what success is in life. And it's different than what most Americans think. Success isn't about your salary. It's not about the size of your house, the type of car you drive, how famous you are. Success is consistent obedience to God. doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter where you live. doesn't even matter if you have a place to live in. What matters is that you are consistently obedient to God. That's success. And the seventh cornerstone is recognizing, and God has a purpose for your life. Amen. And that purpose is that you know, love, and serve Him with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. With those seven cornerstones, I mean, none of them are, are things that people haven't heard before. None of them are too complex for us to understand. But when you put those together, according to the research at least, it forms a tremendous foundation on which to build a philosophy of life and from which you can pursue a life that's truly going to honor God. Dr. Barna, we, ha- we have a lot of little children in our church, and uh, lately, with the effects of the October 7th attack in Israel and with Palestinians and so forth, kids are seeing a lot of terrible images. You just can't escape it. The bombing, the fire, people machine gunned, and so forth. So as a parent, you know, you try to shield your kids from all that yucky stuff, but how do you, with a Christian theistic worldview, how do you explain to maybe a 10 or 12-year-old how they should view this? What, what kind of lens should they look through to understand this the way God wants them to understand this? Well, I, I would say it comes down to helping children recognize that people are not good. We have this mentality in America that everybody's good. In fact, we don't call it a Christian worldview We very specifically label it a biblical worldview, because in our research, we asked people, and and we found that a majority of Americans think they have a Christian worldview. And when we asked them, what does that mean to you? They said, it means I'm a good person, and I'm doing the best I can, and I have good intentions. And that's a Christian worldview. That's not a Christian worldview. And so sitting down with our children and helping them to understand, you know what, people are not good. A lot of times we do things that hurt other people. Often we do that because human beings are innately selfish. We, you know, we care more about ourselves than other people, and we want only the best for us, and we don't care that much about others. But Jesus came to teach a completely different way of life. But that was one one that's based on love, one that's based on understanding we're sinners and we need God's Holy Spirit to guide us every moment of every day, or else we're going to be making bad choices, choices that will hurt other people, and when they hurt other people, they're going to hurt God as well. And when we see, you know, images of war and fighting and, you know, anger and, and rage and all these things, that's an outgrowth of that unwillingness to turn our heart over to Jesus. And so helping children to begin to see, you know what, it's everywhere around us. And that's why we need to constantly be praying that God will strengthen us, he'll guide us, he'll he'll show us his love, and that he'll help us to reflect his love to other people. You approvingly cite the Bob Dylan song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And this is a truth that is 
I believe and you believe of fundamental significance. Do you think young people today are living under the delusion that they can be truly free by not having any commitments or responsibilities? Yeah, I mean, we found that in our research, particularly with millennials and Gen Z. What we're finding is that they think that they can remain kind of like a free agent in the world, that they're not going to be beholden to anybody. And yet, that very mentality means that they've already become beholden to people who have been pushing that worldview on them for years and years and years in movies, in television, in music, in video games, in social media postings. All of those kinds of media continually push worldviews upon people. And it takes a toll. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unrealistic thinking on the part of young people in America today. Amen. Well, Dr. Barna, it's been a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your life, your ministry, your writing, and certainly this book. Thank you, Larry. It's been great to be with you. Renowned researcher and best-selling author George Barna reveals that who your child will be as an adult is essentially determined by the age 13. Raising your child is an exciting opportunity to influence a life, but it's also a daunting assignment. In his brand new book entitled Raising Spiritual Champions, George Barna utilizes extensive national research and outlines a biblical approach to raising children with the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. Order your copy of Raising Spiritual Champions today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order at our website, swrc.com. Raising Spiritual Champions is a dynamic, Bible-based, research-supported guide for the parents and grandparents of tomorrow's Christian church. Order your copy, 1-800-652-1144. Thanks to many of you, Prisoners all across the country are receiving their Bible-based Unseen Israel calendars. Prisoners are being encouraged and ministered to because of your generous support. With an update on the Onesimus Prison Ministry, here is Josh Davis. The Onesimus Prison Ministry is a special outreach project of Southwest Radio Ministries, and God has opened up many doors for us, and to God be the glory. And we are grateful for your partnership with us in this special outreach. We're able to send newsletters with offers for items like books or our annual calendar that we can send to inmates free of charge because of your faithful partnership with us in this ministry. We are so grateful to you. I want to share some excerpts from some letters that we have received from inmates and just thanking us and expressing gratitude to SWRC. And friends, that goes to you who partner with us for this Onesimus Prison Ministry. Now let me share one letter with you right now. It says, Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May He be praised. Thank you for the monthly newsletter and the many books that you have sent over the years. They're all informative for learning and teaching, growing in the Lord. In these coming days, we need to be alert for the prophetic events as they unfold before our eyes in preparation for the Lord's return in the rapture. This ministry is helpful to spreading that message. Stay strong as good soldiers in the Lord's army. I'm enclosing my gift, and he specifies the amount to be used where needed the most. May God bless you all. 
You're in my prayers as a ministry. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and Israel as a nation. May God bless you again. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, come. Yours in Christ. What an encouraging note this was to receive from an inmate who is on our Onesimus prison ministry mailing list. And by the way, you heard that right. He sent in a gift to our ministry. And he says, God is my CEO. God is the chairman of the board, and all the decisions from him are final. I do not ask for understanding. I say and mean, thy will be done. I've had a few obstacles and disappointments, but God has grounded me to know all decisions are in his will and in his perfect timing. If it doesn't come to pass, I know without a doubt that God has something better planned for me. Also, if I suffer, I suffer for the Lord. And even good will come through my sufferings. God does not owe me anything. He goes on from there, and it's a very well-written letter that we received from an inmate. We love to communicate with them, and perhaps you're wondering, what is this prison ministry? How can I be involved? Well, friends, we send out a bi-monthly newsletter. And if perhaps you're an inmate listening and you'd like to be involved, please write to us. You can also email us. Some are getting access to tablets and things like that. You can email info at swrc.com, and we can connect you with the Onesimus Prison Ministry. There's other ways to get involved with us, and you can call us at 1-800-652-1144, 1-800-652-1144, and we can put you in touch with our Onesimus Prison Ministry outreach and get you connected with that. But we send out this bi-monthly newsletter. It usually contains an offer for a free book or resource that we have available to send out. It could be our annual calendar, which is the requested item right now this time of year. And so we can send those out free of charge, the books, the calendars, free of charge to the inmates. Once again, because God is blessing us with the resources to be able to do this. Friends, we would encourage you to partner with us in this special outreach. It's a great blessing. People are being saved. People are being discipled. It's a wonderful thing to be a part of. And if you'd like to send in a gift to the Onesimus Prison Project, you can specify that through our website, swrc.com. Also, if you write a check and mail it in, as many of you do, you can specify Onesimus Prison Ministry on that check, and that'll be a great blessing. We appreciate your partnership with us as we continue to share the gospel and discipleship materials with inmates across the country. This is a growing ministry. To God be the glory for all that he is doing. And we thank you for your partnership with us in the Onesimus Prison Ministry. In his brand new book, Raising Spiritual Champions, George Barna utilizes extensive national research and outlines a biblical approach to raising children with the seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. Order your copy of Raising Spiritual Champions today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Raising Spiritual Champions is truly a dynamic, Bible-based, research-supported guide for the parents and grandparents of tomorrow's Christian church. Avi Lipkin will be here tomorrow from Israel ready to share the latest details on the war, as well as his unique perspective on the events that are rapidly unfolding in the Middle East. 
So be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by downloading our SWRC mobile app, or you can always subscribe to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.